The following is a presentation of Hawkeye's Mike, LLC. wins against Penn State. This is why he's been able to win six of the last seven against Joe Pa. They hang around, and then they come up. They look for a play in the fourth quarter to try to make it the difference in the football game. How about, Brent, the strength and the speed from Adrian Claiborne the entire game? Hello Hawkeye fans, this is John Patchett and welcome to the football show from HawkeyesMike.com. The Iowa-Penn State game highlights are courtesy of ESPN on ABC with Brent Musburger, Kirk Herbstreet, and Lisa Salters. A great and very insightful job calling that game the Hawks' Big Ten opening win over the Nittany Lions, especially exciting for Iowa fans. We very much appreciate it and thank them. These football programs come to you following every game during the entire season. You'll have the chance to hear Marv Cook's thoughts and Pat Hardy's opinions. You'll hear from the opposing coaches in this coming Saturday's game, Kirk Ferentz and Steve Roberts, and we'll take a look at the Big Ten Conference, and we'll preview the Iowa-Arkansas State game. Also this week, we'll feature some extended comments about Iowa head coach Kirk Ferentz, including some from legendary coach Hayden Fry. And during the course of the season, we also hope to hear from you, the Iowa fans. We invite you to share your comments by calling 866-74-HOT. Gonna take it straight back though, look for a receiver. Fumble in the end zone, and the Nittany Lions recover. That's a safety. That is a safety. Free kick from the 20. Donna Hughes punt turns it in the direction of the Hawkeyes, and they take advantage. And it's again big Broderick Benz, the sophomore, showing his athletic ability and quickness. He uses both power that time and quickness. Claiborne on the other side, and right now the Iowa defensive end starting to take control with their speed. A little bit too much for Penn State to handle on the outside. What a stage for last Saturday's game. Prime time, nationwide television audience, 110,000 crazed, rain-soaked Penn State fans out for revenge in a whiteout game. Iowa stunned to the highly ranked Nittany Lions 21-10. It was another dominating defensive performance with an offense executing just what it needed to do to win. Games don't get much bigger than this, especially early in the season, and the Hawks made a clear and convincing statement that they truly are one of the Big Ten's better teams in 2009. Following an Iowa 3-and-out to start the game, Penn State took the early lead on its first play from scrimmage, turning an already psyched crowd into a frenzy with a 79-yard touchdown pass. But other than one long drive, which only culminated in a field goal, that was about the end of the celebrations for the white and blue. As the game wore on, and throughout the second half, it became increasingly clear which was the better team. It was pretty much all Hawkeyes. Iowa completely shut down Penn State's offense with outstanding play by the
the defensive line once again. Iowa's running game picked up steam and was very respectable against one of the top rushing defenses in the country as Iowa's offensive line more than held its own, and this without two of their best blockers in Brian Balaga and Tony Moyaki, who both missed this game again with injuries. To gain even more perspective, the Hawks actually trailed 10-5 after three quarters, yet they came from behind to score 16 points without attempting a single pass play. They had 16 snaps, everyone was a running play, they gained a total of 60 yards in the fourth quarter on those. That's just amazing and it's terrific defensive play. The Hawks also had two more Big Ten Players of the Week as a result of this performance, linebacker Pat Angerer on defense and Adrian Claiborne on special teams. While Joe Paterno is the winningest active football coach in the BCS, Kirk Ferentz coached Iowa teams have now won seven of the last eight games played against PSU, including five of the last six played in Happy Valley. And with this win, Iowa tied the all-time series record at 11 apiece. One Pennsylvania sports columnist wrote that whenever Joe Paterno does choose to retire, the best coach Penn State can find to replace him was shaking his hand at midfield in a victory again Saturday night. A great compliment, but let's hope that never happens. Another Pennsylvania columnist wrote that for the first time since Ohio State in 2007, the team Penn State played at Beaver Stadium was just an all-around better team top to bottom. Overall, the Hawks now have an eight-game winning streak going into this Saturday's home game against Arkansas State. This was also Iowa's first road win against a top-five ranked team in 19 years and its first road win over a top-ten ranked team since 2002. All in all, it was an awesome performance by the Hawks that silenced the nearly 110,000 soaked Penn State fans crammed into their Beaver Stadium. Nice beaver. Thank you. I just had a suck. Let me help you with that. HawkeyesMike.com. It's sports talk radio on the internet. Just for you, the Iowa fan. All sports, all Hawks, all the time. A quick review of game notes and key stats is brought to you by Prefens Botanicals Hand Sanitizer, the revolutionary new hand sanitizer that kills bacteria, viruses, and fungi for up to 24 hours with just a single application. To learn more, go to www.prefensbotanicals.com. Prefens is now the hand sanitizer used by the Iowa football team, the men's and women's basketball teams, and the defending NCAA champion Iowa Hawkeyes wrestling team. Iowa has opened Big Ten play on the road now in 9 of 11 seasons under coach Kirk Ferentz. The Big Ten really does need to take a look at that computer. Iowa extended its winning streak to eight games dating back to last season. Also, Iowa has now won eight of its last ten overall against the Nittany Lions. The game was a sellout, and the attendance marks the fourth largest crowd to see an Iowa football game. The largest three are all against Michigan at Michigan Stadium, all over 110,000 fans. Penn State won the toss and elected to defer, which resulted in Iowa starting on offense again, which they've now done in 106 of the last 121 contests. The Hawks did not score any points on their opening possession, while Penn State, with the 79-yard pass, passing TD on its first offense, 
defensive play, became the first Iowa opponent in 17 games to score on its first possession. That was also the second longest play against Iowa this season. Both of Penn State's interceptions were deflected off of an Iowa receiver's foot. That's kind of an oddity. The Hawks now have not allowed a defensive rushing touchdown in 29 quarters dating back to last season. Redshirt freshman running back Adam Robinson's rushing score in the fourth quarter was the first rushing touchdown Penn State has yielded this year. The fourth period touchdown scored on a 53-yard blocked punt return by defensive end Adrian Claiborne was the first for the Hawks since Sean Considine had a seven-yard return for a score in Iowa's win over LSU in the 2005 Capital One Bowl. The touchdown is also the first of Claiborne's career. Iowa's tailback tandem of Adam Robinson and Brandon Wager were effective again, combining to rush 33 times for 161 yards. Including the blocked punt, the Hawks forced turnovers on four consecutive Penn State possessions in the fourth period. Key stats, first downs, 17-15 in the Hawks' favor. Yards rushing, 163-109 to again in the Hawks' favor. But Penn State outpassed Iowa, 198-135. to Total offensive yards nearly even, 298 for the Hawks, 307 for the Nittany Lions. Possession time also very even, 31-17 for Iowa, 28-43 for Penn State. Third down conversions, 4 of 14 for the Hawks, 9 of 19 for Penn State. And red zone scoring chances, 2 of 2 for Iowa, one of one for the Nittany Lions. Content to keep it on the ground. Robinson with a hole. Battles his way to the end zone. Terrific second effort. Adam Robinson with his fourth rushing touchdown of the season. Put right side again. And then the effort, determination. The young freshman would not be denied. He takes it all the way into the end zone. And the Hawkeyes have all the momentum at this point in the game. That is the first rushing touchdown of the season given up by Penn State. Time now to hear from the coaches in this coming Saturday's game. First, Iowa head coach Kirk Ferentz. Ferentz talks about the Arkansas State Red Wolves. Uh, I think, you know, if you look at their team uh, overall, the first thing you have to do is look at the coaching staff. Steve Roberts has done a great job there. And, and my, you know, I don't pretend to be an expert on Arkansas State, but I, I do remember, uh, you know, bumping into him recruiting back in the 80s a little bit. And, you know, they, they'd gone through some coaches, I know that. He's been there uh, seven years now, he and his staff. They've done a great job. They've got a good, stable staff. Uh, they've had the best seven years of football they've had since the 80s uh, at Arkansas State and been bowl eligible three of the last four years. But more impressive is just what you see on film. You see a team that's very well coached. They're very aggressive. They play hard. You know, and we've watched film from this year and last year, needless to say. So, you know, we, we've got a lot of respect for them. They've got some very good players. Offensively, their quarterback's a real slick football player. You know, he's a good thrower, good runner. You know, he gets the ball out and, and, and gets it where it has to go. You know, he's, he's really a, a very proven player. Running back's a record uh, a record setter for him. He's really done a nice job and a very, very productive football player. And uh, they've got some guys on defense, particularly up front, that do a nice job. And that one defensive end, Carrington's a you know a big, strong guy. And I understand he ran like a four-seven-five, something like that for the for the pros. So. 
uh, you know, he, he's a good football player. They've got some good guys, and uh, they play very well in special teams, too. So we've got an awful lot of respect for him. Kirk was asked about his team's ability to handle success, which may sometimes be harder than dealing with adversity. That's going to be a big test for our team uh, right now, because uh, I, I do believe that, and I think it's true in life, more maybe more so in life than sports. Sports tend to be a reflection of life sometimes, and, uh, you know, if, if you look at uh, historically, civilizations getting in trouble, individuals, you can think of a lot of examples over the last five years, certainly. People that are pretty successful and pretty smart uh, that have done really stupid things, and uh, uh, it's no different in sports, and it's, it's tough, you know, because I know a lot of uh, our guys have gotten a lot of accolades and taken some bows this week, and rightfully so. They did a great job over the weekend, but it's time to turn the page. You know, we need to move on to the next next challenge, and we certainly have one coming in here Saturday, and uh, I doubt Arkansas State's real impressed uh, with our, our resume, and uh, you know, you could argue on paper we're supposed to win this thing, and I think you know it was probably said about a month ago too. And you know, we came out of a just eked out, uh, very fortunately, out of a, a pretty sticky situation there. So uh, you know, it'll be a real test for our football team. But you know, I'll flip it around too and say that you know, for us to do what we did last weekend, it took a lot of maturity, took great leadership. Uh, uh, from within the ranks, and, and you know we're going to have to draw upon that this week to uh, to make sure we have a good week. Ferentz talks about his team's chances of challenging for the Big Ten title this year. Yeah, we've had a chance every year, you know, probably since 2000 and 2000. You know, I think mean, we've had a chance. Uh, some chances were better than others, but um, you know, basically going into the 2001 season, we, we felt like you know we had a decent football team then, and uh, you know we've had a chance. But you know, usually about eight other teams have chances too, so. Uh, just depends on how you handle the the week to week, and that's that's what's ahead of us right now. Kirk was asked if this is one of the best defenses he's ever had. Well, we got eight games to go, so we'll find out. But they're they're uh, they're playing well, and uh, their effort the other night was phenomenal, and uh, could have been better. You know, that's the the good news is it could have been better, and I think even the things we're doing well in any area right now, we can still do better. So that, that's really where we need to be focused. But our, our guys are playing hard and. Uh, the, the guys up front are starting to uh, gel. We were certainly way ahead of where we were three weeks ago, four weeks ago. We're starting to, the last two weeks, we've started to look like a coherent uh, group out there, and that, you know, that's a good thing. And Ferentz was asked about quarterback Ricky Stanzi's play at Penn State. I, I thought he played a good game. You know, a uh, couple throws maybe could have been a little sharper and uh, what have you, but, you know, he, he made some great decisions, and I'm, I'm still kind of. Uh, of the camp, I, I think two things. You know, he's leading our team really well, uh, and he's he's really keeping his poise out there in the field, which I think spreads uh, to others. And uh, you know, I, I think as we hopefully as we uh, settle down personnel-wise, offensively, and practice better, I, I think we have a opportunity to become a good offensive football team. We're not there yet, but with with him. Uh, uh, playing quarterback, uh, I think you know, I think that gives us a good chance, and the other pieces have to fall in part too and in place, and I think they will. Arkansas State football coach Steve Roberts talks about last week's loss to Sun Belt Conference foe Troy. Uh, obviously, uh, didn't get a win this past weekend. Uh, we had some opportunities. Uh, thought Troy played a tremendous game, and they made some plays at critical times. And- uh, we made some mistakes at critical times, but we're uh, still proud of the effort of our football team, getting ready to move forward and play a tremendous Iowa team. Obviously off to a great start. 
Roberts was asked how he will get his players ready to bounce back after the loss to Troy. Yeah, I, I think we'll bounce back fine. Uh, we know we have a tremendous challenge ahead of us. Uh, kids are very resilient. Just got to learn to make some plays when uh, we have those opportunities. If we do that, uh, then we're going to be fine. Obviously, it's a tremendous task uh, going up and playing a very good Iowa team, one of the best teams we've played in the eight years that I've been here. I did get a chance to see the second half against Penn State, and uh, probably chose the wrong half to watch. Uh, very big, very physical, and you see a tremendous team, a very, very good team. It's very, very physical and do a great job uh, in everything that they try to accomplish. Roberts was asked how he will try to motivate the Red Wolves to play against a team like Iowa. Uh, you know, we worry about ourselves, try to prepare ourselves to play mentally, physically, and emotionally to do the things that we need to do uh, to be successful. So I don't think our kids will, will need any extra motivation. Go ahead and do what we're capable of doing and uh, see what happens. Roberts talks about his starting senior quarterback, Leonard Corey. He, he's a great leader uh, for our program. Uh, he's done a great job academically and graduating and being in graduate school now. And great person in our community. Uh, he's played well at times this year, but hasn't played up to his potential so far this season. And Roberts was asked what Arkansas State needs to do to get its running game going again. It was obvious to me that Troy was going to do everything in their power to shut down the running game. They're very good up front with two all-conference defensive linemen and two all-conference linebackers. They were missing one of those all-conference players in their first two games, and uh, you can tell the difference in their team uh, getting him back. They're very inexperienced in the secondary, and I thought we were able to take advantage of a few things there, but just got to stay on blocks better. We've got to run the football tougher. Call in and express your opinions about the Hawks. To make your voice heard on HawkeyesMike.com, call toll-free 866-74-HAWKS and join our guest experts on weekly podcasts. We welcome back Marv Cook for his weekly stint on HawkeyesMike.com. Sean Patchett visits with Marv. Well, just an awesome win for the Hawks in front of a nationwide audience and against a legendary coach and program. Yeah, yeah, it was huge. I mean, going into Happy Valley with the whiteout and, you know, college game day being there, obviously. Uh, what a great platform for the kids. What an outstanding game. Uh, you know, I, I think offensively, defense, and special teams, I think we're, we're big. And, and the good thing is, I think they have room for improvement in some of those areas. So a great win. Um, you know, just not to throw a wet blanket on the whole thing, but I'm not sure Penn State is a top five team. It, I was just shocked at how they weren't very physical, you know, up front offensively and defensively. I mean, I know we're pretty good, uh, you know, defensively, but you got to admit, I mean, Iowa State held it better than they did offensively. I mean, so I'm not sure Penn State's a physical football team right now. Uh, so that's a tribute to Iowa, uh, the strength conditioning program, just the mindset that they have, and that's, that's kind of what they've been for the last 10, uh, 10 or 12 years. In the overall scheme of things, how big is this win for Iowa at this point in the season and in the fans era? Well, it's huge. I mean, it gets them back in the top 20 and, and top 15 in some polls. And, 
you know, now we got a lighter opponent coming into Kinnick, and then if we can get through that, you know, we got Michigan coming in, and I, I'm not sure Michigan's, you know, technically a top 15 team either. I mean, they struggled against, uh, you know, Indiana, you know, Notre Dame it was a close game, and, and Notre Dame's, you know, barely beat Purdue and barely beat Michigan State. I mean, I think there's a lot of parity at these levels. I think they're good teams. I'm not sure that they're great teams yet, so. Do you think the whiteout effect had much of an impact on either team? No. It just makes for a cool, high-def experience for fans. I mean, you know, it actually, from a visual standpoint, it looks cool, but, for, you know, it actually, uh, you know, what would be difficult is if you had a brownout where, you know, it's all brown and if you can't find the football when it's in the air, that would be the type of thing that would be distracting. Uh, from an athletic standpoint or from a player standpoint, I don't think it's, it means anything. Is Iowa's ranking in the national polls now about right, or does it seem a little low? No, I think it's about right. I mean, I think it's probably about right. I mean, you know, I, I, like I said, I, I, after watching, if you look at Penn State's first three games, they've, they've been lackluster at best, you know, and, and they haven't played very stiff competition. I think they played Syracuse and Rutgers. I'm not sure Rutgers is very good right now. And, you know, they've got four or five really good athletes, but physically they just can't run the ball right now effectively. And, and uh you know, if you can't run the ball in the Big Ten, you're going to have problems. As a player or a coach, when you're facing that kind of weather, do you game plan or prepare a little differently that close to game time? You have to, yeah, you have to make adjustments. You have to, uh, you know, uh, you know, take into account the wind, uh, how effective, how driving is the rain, things like that. Uh, and, and you make small adjustments, but you still basically run the offense. I mean, that, I, I think just from knowing Kirk Ferentz, the little that I do, you know, one of the things that he's always came in with the mindset is, you know, you play in the Big Ten or the Big 12, there's going to be two or three games a year when you're going to have to line up and just impose your will on people. It's going to be sloppy, rainy, snowy, windy. You're going to have conditions like that, and you can't be a trick team, you know, where you're throwing the ball over the yard and, and, and think you're going to win games consistently. So I think he's got the mindset that you have to line up in games like this and just impose your will on them. And I think that the perfect example of what happened. I mean, you know, the defensive ends just dominated the game. And, and our offensive line, I thought we were getting six or seven a pop, you know, when we needed to run the football. Defensively, it was just another incredible performance. You take away that first Penn State play, and they're essentially shut down from beginning to end. Dominant. I mean, completely dominant. I mean, we were, we were faster. We were more physical. Uh, just put stress on the quarterback. Perfect example is they talked about on the TV was you get a procedure penalty and you'd rather have second and 10 versus first and 15 just because they know they only got two plays to get 10 yards and against our defense they were they were they were struggling doing that so uh, you know the thing that I really like is their their maturity I mean they look you know whether it was seven nothing early and they're back on the field defensively there was no panic no sense of you know. They don't get overly hyped, they don't get overly down, they just go about their business uh, as a defense and offense. And I just, I think that's Kirk's personality. You know, I think they get that from, from Kirk, the head coach, and it filters down to the players. But I mean, you look across, you know, when, you, when you're watching the TV show and you see the, the defense waiting there after they get their call, they're just a, a quiet confidence, a, an air of, of uh, you know, strong presence that they're gonna, you know, they're ready every single snap. And I tell you what, they play like it. You touched on a little bit, what is it about this group of defensive players that just everything is clicking right now and it's hard to pick out a real weakness? I, I think they're just, yeah, they, they've done a good job of piecing it together. I mean, I think you've got the defensive ends are just beast and then the two inside tackles are just relentless and they're playing great team, 
you know, lane recognition as far as blitzes. When we do bring pressure, we're getting there, you know, which is huge. Uh, you know, when we bring a corner blitz, they usually don't have them accounted for. Eads is doing a great job out in the slot on coverage. Anger is obviously playing at a high level, doing the way he always does. I mean, it's just perfect mix of guys. You know, the beauty of Spivet is, is you know, that's cornerbacks that is the toughest job in the world. And, you know, you, you got to have a short-term memory. And that's, you know, he came back and he ended up locking guys down and, and did a great job. And, you know, that's the beauty of, the, of this team is, is they do got a good mix of safeties, corners, linebackers, and they all understand the concept of team defense. You know, you got to do your assignment, make your play. Don't try to be caught, don't get caught doing somebody else's job. And if you got 11 guys doing their assignment, taking care of their business, then you got a good defense. Iowa's four-man rush is about as good as anything we've seen, and that just makes the linebackers and secondary even better. Unbelievable. And, and you know, I mean, I, I go back to Matt Roth was a pretty relentless pass rusher, and, and I think we've got our two guys at the ends. I mean, just an enormous amount of stress and pressure, and then the guys pushing up the middle. It's impressive to watch. And, you know, I, we've always said it, if you can rush four and drop seven and make a team one-dimensional, you got a good chance, and that's what we've been able to do thus far this season. Well, except for just a couple of plays, Stanzi turned in a very solid performance, an extremely pressure-packed game. He looks like he just doesn't get rattled, especially when he has to, he just makes plays. I agree. He's, uh, I, I truly am a huge fan of his, just his, 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 his maturity, uh, his makeup, and then, uh, you know, we've discussed it before, I think he can make all the throws. I think he can make all the throws that a big-time quarterback has to make. And, you know, he's hitting the checkdowns now, which makes, you know, drive defenses nuts. You know, you think it's third and eight, you cover the 14, the 12, the 10-yard curls, and all of a sudden you hit the back on a checkdown. He catches it six, runs for three more yards first down. That'll destroy a defense. We were able to do that probably four or five times Saturday night. Uh, and th those things are just incredible. You move the chains, you burn clock, all those things. And the fact that he's getting to that in the progression is pretty impressive. In weather like that, are the running backs going to be more effective or the receivers? And does the offense or defense have the advantage? You know, it, it depends. If it gets really, really sloppy, it's the defense's advantage. But if it's just a, if it's just a slow drizzle and it's not really hampering the ball and the balls, I mean, because they do a good job of drying the ball off. And the ball actually gets tackier when it gets a little bit wet. So it actually can be an advantage to the offense. And then if the field's not in too bad a shape, uh, the offensive guys know where they're cutting, when they're cutting, and it's an advantage for the offense. So uh, I couldn't really tell exactly how hard it was raining and how, how the field was. I know Penn State's got a great surface, so I imagine the, the field held up extremely well, and it was probably played more to an offensive advantage than defensive advantage. Both Robinson and Wager looked good again. Redshirt and true freshmen playing in probably the biggest games of their career so far. Yeah, I mean, what a stage, you know, and, and to come out and play well and, and to help help their team win a, a great football game. That's, you know, it's, I heard a great quote, and Iowa actually sent it out to high schools, is, is the opportunity to play football is the greatest thing. You know, it's the opportunity to be able to play. And uh, it was a quote from Mike Singletary, and I just think that, you know, that's what these kids are getting the opportunity to do. And then what a great platform, what a great stage to be able to do it. Uh, and, you know, that's why you play the game. I mean, ultimately that should be one of the reasons for the enjoyment of actually being able to go play in front of a national crowd in a venue like that um, be able to come out with a great victory. For much of the game, both defensive lines pretty much dominated the offensive lines, although Iowa seemed to gel a little more than Penn State in that fourth quarter. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I thought when we had to move the clock and or, or burn some time on the clock and get some first downs, we just lined up and just got after them. And, and you know, I know Coach O'Keefe's going to get take some heat because he, you know, he wasn't throwing the ball late. But it was just, I think it was probably the head coach saying, you know what, let's not even risk it. Our defense is at such a high level. You know, let's make them try to go 70, 80 yards against us. You know, punt the ball and and uh, you know burn another two minutes off the clock and just keep playing defense and. So, you know, I think Coach, Coach O'Keefe was probably making some decisions from that standpoint that uh, uh, were helping the team. Turning to Saturday's game, how much of a risk is there that this is a bit of a trap game for Iowa coming off the Penn State victory and, you know, next week playing Michigan? Yeah, I, you know, I, I, think, I think that there may be a little bit of a lull, but I think this team is, is so focused on the task at hand and still probably has a little bit of a chip on their shoulder. I mean, this is the first time they got back in the top 25. And, you know, that they'll be focused enough to know that the re the way you get there is just by taking care of it on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. So, uh, you know, I, I think the emotional level, they won't be able to match that intensity, but I think that they're going to be solid enough to, to take care of business this Saturday. You don't really know that much about Arkansas State. They're out of the Sun Belt Conference. What do you expect to see from them? You know, I'm not sure. I mean, I'm, I'm going to imagine that, you know, I mean, uh, the recruiting base down in Arkansas, you know, Alabama, North Carolina, I mean, uh, there's a ton of great athletes down there. Obviously, you see the programs with uh, in the Southwest. So I'm imagining there's going to be a lot, of, a lot of athletes, a lot of kids that are going to like the opportunity to play in a Big Ten stadium, uh, you know, being playing in front of a TV crowd. So, I mean, uh, it's going to be a great opportunity for them. And, and uh, you know, it'll be, uh, you know, like I said, I mean, uh, for them, a platform to show pro scouts or show people that they can compete at this level. And, and uh, so they'll be highly motivated. Late in the Penn State ball game, ABC announcers Brent Musburger and Kirk Herbstreit talked about how smart Iowa's team is. Can you talk a little bit about what that means? Well, I just think that they're so disciplined. And, and one, they, they, they eliminate penalties. You know, they're good about procedure calls. They don't get holding calls. They don't get a lot of personal fouls, things like that. They don't hurt themselves with penalties and things like that. And then they're, they're just sound. They, they know where they have to be and when they have to be there. And you don't see a lot of busted plays. And, you know, that's... Uh, you know, a discipline thing. That's a, it's a, you know, intelligent thing. But ultimately, it's a coaching, covering those things in practice, get getting the kids in a position where they can be successful and they're comfortable. And uh, I think that's what they're kind of referring to as an intelligent football team. Going back to next week, what do you expect to see in the Arkansas State game? What are your keys and what's your prediction? Well, I, I think Iowa's getting a little roll right now and I just think that the offensive line's getting more and more traction and the running game's coming around and I think Stansy's just going to get more and more comfortable with his, you know, he's got a ton of different receivers he's been able to throw the ball to. So, you know, he's got multiple weapons that he can go to and I just think he's going to get more and more advanced in the play calling offensively, but yet our running game is just going to continue to get better and better and better. And I, I think you're going to see a pretty dominant performance by Iowa, pretty workmanlike performance. You know, I mean, Arkansas State will be able to do some things effectively just from, you know, probably they have nothing to lose, so they're probably going to throw everything in the kitchen sink at them. So, you know, it's going to be a good challenge for Iowa, but yet, um, you know, I think they'll be focused enough to take care of business, and then they move on to Michigan after that. Any other thoughts? No, I mean, just, uh, you know, I mean, it's, you, you talked about it briefly, that the, the biggest challenge will be you go from a top five team nationally to a team no one's ever heard of, and I guarantee you the players hadn't heard of until this year, that college, and to get them focused to realize, you know what, this is going to be, they're going to put 11 guys on the field every snap, and they're going to come after us, and they're going to try to do some things, so we got to be ready for whatever it is they're trying to accomplish. So, And that's, that's going to be the biggest challenge is getting that emotional 
level back up to a, you know, a game speed type atmosphere. Taking a look at our Big Ten Notebook, going into week five of the 2009 season and the second week of conference play for most teams, the Big Ten is one of only three BCS conferences to feature three or more 4-0 teams. The SEC still tops all conferences with four teams like that, while the Big 12 has three plus another at 3-0. At this point in the schedule, the conference also features three of the top ten scoring defenses, Iowa, Ohio State, and Penn State. In spite of the loss to the Hawks, the Nittany Lions are still ranked sixth nationally, allowing only 10.24 points per game. The Buckeyes are seventh, and Iowa's close behind at eighth. This Saturday features two more trophy games, both key conference clashes as well. Michigan and Michigan State battle for the Paul Bunyan Trophy, while Minnesota and Wisconsin face off for Paul Bunyan's axe. In the three main national polls this week, the Big Ten has four ranked teams, with three others receiving votes. However, with a combined non-conference record standing at only five and six against BCS teams, the conference's national image is still a bit tarnished. And the Big Ten appears to be so competitive this season, it is unlikely that one of its teams will have the opportunity to play in the BCS title game. But as the old cliche goes, that's why they play the games. Something else is going on in the Big Ten, too. NCAA Rule 9-6 calls for video reviews when a dangerous penalty is called and also allows a conference to impose sanctions upon review even when no personal foul is called. Conference officials appear to be very aggressive in using this rule. So far, three one-game suspensions have been handed out in three weeks, with players from Ohio State, Purdue, and Michigan each facing sanctions. Hawkeye's Mike is always interested in and encourages listener feedback. Help make us better. Please provide us with your comments and suggestions for programs, guests, and topics by emailing feedback at hawkeyesmike.com or by calling toll-free 866-74-HAWKS. We turn now to Pat Hardy's segment. You can read Pat's articles in the Iowa City Press Citizen and on Hawk Central. Sean Patchett talks with Pat about last week's game and this Saturday's contest. With everything seemingly in Penn State's favor, Iowa just dominates the Nittany Lions and walks away with a huge victory. Yes, that's exactly what we saw, and I was one of the people who kind of fell into the trap, I guess you could say. Um, I thought Penn State would win a close defensive slugfest is the way I put it, and I guess I attribute it to the fact that Penn State was ranked so high, but I guess you really can't buy into the rankings, especially this early in the year. I just thought Penn State would be able to feed off all the elements there in Happy Valley, but I underestimated just how good this Iowa defense is. Where would you rank this win in the context of the Ferentz era? I think it still remains to be seen. I mean, right now you could argue that it's in the top five, but I think you need to wait and see how Penn State finishes this year and how Iowa finishes this year. This loss will not look near as good if Iowa comes out and loses to Arkansas State or loses to Michigan, but if Penn State goes on and has a good year and Iowa goes on to have a big year, to me this is the turning point game and it would be huge. You wrote again that the polls this early in the season are a joke, but how do you explain the Hawks being ranked behind the Penn State team they just defeated by double digits at Beaver Stadium in the coaches' well, poll. Well, if it was the AP poll, I could explain it as a bunch of media idiots like myself, but this is the coaches' poll, and I don't think these coaches take it as seriously as they should. If they don't want to do the poll, they should not vote on it. I, it doesn't make sense. It is a joke, and I don't have an answer for that. It, that's why I've never really put a lot of stock into the polls. At this point in the season, where do you think the Hawks should be ranked, and where do you put them in the Big Ten? 
I think right now somewhere between 10 and 15 is fair. And right now in the Big Ten, I'd put them second behind Ohio State. I still think Ohio State, partly because it is Ohio State and they've only lost one game to USC, and Ohio State's had Iowa's number for pretty much forever. So I, and Iowa has to play there. I'd still give Ohio State a slight edge, but right now I have Iowa, the 1A team in the Big Ten, so to speak. It's hard to find much wrong with Iowa's play on Saturday, but folks in Pennsylvania are being fairly critical of Penn State. What's your sense of their team at this point in the season? They've got some real issues on offense. Their offensive line was just completely dominated by Iowa's defensive line. And, and that's not a huge surprise because they do have three new starters there. I guess I was just surprised at how dominant and one-sided the battle there was. And I think Penn State's got issues in their secondary. I think their secondary is very average compared to last year. Their receivers are not near as good as they were last year. And let's face it, Daryl Clark, I mean, against in two games, if you put his stats together in two games against Iowa, he's been horrible. And I, I think when the pressure's on him, he's not an accurate enough passer to get them out of some of those tough positions, and we saw that Saturday. Musburger and Herbstreit were talking in the fourth quarter about how smart the Iowa team is. Does the credit for that pretty much go to Ference? I would think so. I think that's they. I think Musburger also said something to the effect that it was one of the smartest teams he had ever seen. The only problem I have with that, though, is the more they harp on the smartness and the coaching, it seems like everyone wants to continually shortchange Iowa's athletic ability and talent. It seems like they're always looking for reasons why Iowa's winning, and they never will say that it's physical talent. I just think Iowa had a better team physically than Penn State did Saturday. I know you've expressed concerns about Ricky Sanzi, uh, viewed his inconsistency as a bit of a weak link, but whatever is happening, he just seems to go about his business and performs well when he and the offense need to. Do you think he made progress again this week? Yeah, I think he did. I think he played better in the first half. I think he was really hurt by some drops, some untimely drops too that were early in the game when the game was still in doubt and whatever, I think that would have really helped Ricky get on a roll and obviously would have helped his statistics. I don't think Ricky Stanzi has to be lights out for this Iowa team to be successful. He just has to be serviceable. He just has to be steady and make sure he doesn't lose games because with Ryan Donahue punting and with their defense and with these freshman running backs getting better, there's a good enough supporting cast to make it to where Ricky does not have to win games. He just can't lose them. These two running backs seem more impressive with each game as well. Yes, I, that, to me, that's one of the biggest storylines, along with the reemergence of Dace Richardson on the offensive line. I mean, they're running hard. Adam Robinson ran like a veteran. He gained so many yards after, after contact, and what's good is they never have to be tired because they both can just feed off of each other. So we've always got fresh legs in there. Touch on it a second ago. Do you think the weather was affecting the receivers more than anything else on Saturday? Possibly. I mean, I'm, obviously it doesn't help when the ball's wet. So give them the benefit of the doubt because you're not going to see Colin Sandeman and those guys drop a lot of those balls. And there were just so many drops on so many easy pass plays to where maybe it was the weather because it's not – if this was something that we'd been seeing on a weekly basis, then you'd say it was just a continuation of a pattern. But, no, I think this was maybe an isolated incident. Maybe they were a little caught up in the moment or what have you. But they still managed to win, which is all that matters. But I'm not really that worried about the receivers. What were your thoughts after Penn State's first offensive play, the 79-yard touchdown pass? Well, I was like, wow. I just could not believe how well they executed it. But then I remember looking at Daryl Clark and how he reacted, and I just kept saying to myself, he, I don't care, he might be too jacked up for this game. And I just think when Iowa held him to a field goal on that second drive, it was frustrating the way they just kept that second drive going. But Iowa finally stiffened up when they had to, and it was 10 to nothing. And then when that safety came, then that's when I said to myself, now the game's on. 
Yeah, after that, it was all Iowa's defense. Have you ever seen a much better defensive performance by an Iowa team, especially under these conditions on that kind of stage? Well, I mean, if you want to go all the way back to 1981, the Rose Bowl team, they did that pretty much on a weekly basis. They played defense like that. So I think it's been done before. Iowa's 4 defense was really good, too. I mean, they went 10-2 and two that year without a running game. So I think this is kind of a continuation of the 0-4 defense. I think you're going to end up seeing this defense compared to the 0-4 defense that had Greenway and Hodge and Babineau and Matt Roth. I mean, it had just tons of NFL players. 81-0-4 in this defense, to me. I could have, This defense has a chance to stand out and be compared with some of the best Iowa defenses under Fry and Ferentz. It's hard, really, to single out any defensive player from the Penn State game. So many performed well. Yeah, I mean, obviously Claiborne made the big play to give Iowa the lead for good. Pat Anger was his steady self, another interception. I thought Jeremiah Hunter was great. He had 12 tackles. He was all over the field. He and Anger combined for 26 tackles, and Hunter just always seems to be around the ball. He's very steady. And other than getting beat on that first place, Pavey was pretty good, and I thought Sean Prater played a good game. I just thought it was a group effort. Ryan Donahue has played well this season. Saturday night, he seemed a bit off, at least compared to his first three games. Would you say that's accurate, and do you think the weather had something to do with that? The weather probably had something to do with it, but I don't know if that's accurate because he basically got things going by pinning them down at the six-yard line on that one punt, and that's when they got the safety, and that's when the momentum shifted. I think you could argue that Ryan Donnie, who's the best player on their team, he might make the biggest impact because he's always giving Iowa the advantage with field position. This week's game has all the potential to be a trap game for Iowa. How big is that risk, and what do you think Fritz and his staff will do to avoid that? Well, it's always a risk, and the one thing about this Arkansas State team is they're very athletic, they're very fast, but, you know, they lost to Troy, they lost to Nebraska by almost 20-some points, so Iowa should win this game. They should win this game by two or three touchdowns. That doesn't mean they will. They need to be focused, but if Ferentz, if I would have to pick Ferentz's greatest strength as a head coach, his ability to take each week one at a time and keep the players focused, to me, is it. I mean, they've had some slip-ups before when they lost to Western Michigan in 07, but let's face it, that 07 team just wasn't very good. To me, this Iowa team is too good to let a game like this victimize them and be a trap game. I just can't see it happening. Arkansas State out of the Sun Belt Conference, a team and a conference that Big Ten fans probably don't pay much attention to. What should we be looking for? Speed. Speed at the skill positions, and they may take some risk on defense because they don't have a lot to lose. They, everyone's picking them to lose this game. I just think they're going to be fast and athletic, and, th and I think they're going to want to try to get some of their guys isolated in space and what have you, but I just think Iowa should win the battle on the line and what have you. And, but no, I think you, you'll see a fast team. I don't think you'll necessarily see a good team, but you'll see a fast team. At this point in the season, what's your biggest concern about the Hawks? The offense. I think the defense is what it is. The special teams are fine. I just I worry that someday the offense may play so poorly that it may cost them a game or what have you. But if they can keep running the way they are, to me, that's a big bonus. I think the passing game just needs to get a little better in sync, and they got to get Tony Moyaki back. I mean, that's to me, I don't think he'll play this week because I don't think there's any reason to bring him back for this game, and that'd give him two more weeks to rest for Michigan. But I think right now you'd have to say the offense is the biggest concern. And conversely, what's the most exciting thing? The defense and Ryan Donahue. I think when you have a dominant defense and a punter that can constantly give you the edge with field position, that's a long way to go and to be a great team. All right, going on to next week, talk about speed, but what else do you expect to see in this game? What are your keys to the game? And finally, what's your prediction? For Arkansas State, I see Iowa winning like 38-17. It'd be nice if they can get ahead early and get some of the younger players and experienced players in there and get them some game time experience, most notably Jeff Brenson. It'd be nice to see him in it running back a little bit. And it'd be nice to get Packy O'Mara back in there. It's You kind of feel sorry for Packy. He fumbled against you and I, and we haven't really seen him since. But Iowa just needs to come out. They need to seize the momentum right away, get the crowd into it, and just 
get the lead and just um, spend the rest of the game building on that lead. And I think that's what's going to happen. I don't think this is going to be 55 to nothing by any means. I don't think Iowa's explosive enough to do that. And I think this Arkansas State team will score a few points just on maybe some just some great physical plays. Any other thoughts? Well, 4-0, and if they, are, if they end up beating Arkansas State and Michigan beats Michigan State, I think you're going to have Iowa and Michigan both 5-0 and for the first time since 1985, and we all remember what happened that day. Third down and 10. Stepping up, he's got time, and it's intercepted at the 40. Picking it off is Eads, and he slides down to secure the football. Ball was deflected and picked off again. That's six possessions in the second half, four turnovers, a block punt, and a missed field goal. HawkeyesMike.com, just for you, the Iowa fan. All sports, all Hawks, all the time. www.HawkeyesMike.com. Call toll-free 866-74-HAWKS. That's 866-74-HAWKS. With Iowa's dominant victory over Penn State in Happy Valley last Saturday and the terrific job both in game coaching and game prep by head coach Kirk Ferentz and his staff, we pulled some particularly interesting comments from ABC's Brent Musburger and Kirk Herbstreet. And Hayden Fry also talks about Coach Ferentz. I'm going to say right now, this is one of the most intelligent football teams I have watched this season. Very well coached. They know exactly what they have to do, even if they're outmanned, and that has to be the reason why. No wonder some of the NFL teams have come calling. No wonder the Jacksonville Jaguars offered him the, the keys to the kingdom a few years back. This man can flat <laughs> off football. The Raiders, the Jaguars, he has a system, and what's amazing is he's able to recruit players. He doesn't worry about five-star and four-star. He recruits players that fit the personality of his football team. All my coaches have done a wonderful job. Coach Ferentz, he just like my son. He's such a class gentleman, and he's so smart. You know, when I hired Kirk Ferentz, I had several uh, pro coaches apply for the offensive line job. And when I interviewed them, I'd make them go to the chalkboard and go through their techniques, the fundamentals, so I could see how organized and how sound they were. And Kirk Ferentz was head and shoulders above any of them. And I think the rascal lied to me. I'm not for sure, but I think he told me he was the offensive line coach. I didn't know he was a grad assistant. And I think he lied to me about his age. I think he told me he was 28 when he was really 26. But the first year he's with me, we win a Big Ten go to Rose Bowl, so it didn't matter. <laughs> Kirk Ferentz and that fine coaching staff of his, they've done it again. One of the great guys in the profession, too, Kirk Ferentz. He's, he is a class act, not just a great football coach, but he is a, a guy that you could very easily see why players want to have a chance to play for him. About as quality a guy as you'll ever meet. Just a reminder that you can be part of the next show by offering your own comments on the Hawks. The toll-free hotline will be open 24 hours a day. Just call 866-74-HAWKS and make your voice heard. Also, visit HawkeyesMike.com, go to the News and Events section, and check out the links for up-to-date information on Iowa games, TV channels, the latest Hawkeye and Big Ten videos, and team schedules. And don't forget, you can subscribe to all Hawkeyes Mike podcasts through iTunes. Chancho, when you are a man, 
Sometimes you wear stretchy pants in your room. It's for fun. Today's Hawkeye's Mic program is made possible in part by Morgan Stanley Financial Advisors of Coralville. Call 319-338-5184 or 800-870-0002 for all your investment needs. Iowa hosts Sunbelt Conference member Arkansas State this Saturday in Kinnick Stadium in what many believe is a perfect trap game for the Hawks, sandwiched between Iowa's huge win at Penn State and next week's big home game against Michigan. The Hawks are now 4-0 and shooting to become the first team ever under head coach Kirk Ferentz to start the season with five straight wins. Iowa is also tied with Texas for the second longest winning streak in the nation at eight, extending from last season and trailing only Florida. The Hawks are currently ranked 13th in the AP poll and 17th in the USA Today coaches poll, although in the latter they're still ranked behind Penn State. Don't know how that should be possible, but it's another example of how ridiculous the polls can be, especially earlier in the season. Here's a couple of very interesting facts. Iowa's four opponents this season have a combined 12-4 record, with all four of the losses to the Hawks. Put another way, the first four opponents are undefeated except for the games they played against Iowa. Also, the Hawks have outscored foes by only 36-30 in the first half of play this season. But in the second half, they've outscored their opponents 64-13. Arkansas State is 1-2. The Red Wolves' two losses came on the road to Nebraska and last week at home against Troy. Their win is over Mississippi Valley State. Their head coach is Steve Roberts in his 16th season as a head coach and his eighth year at Arkansas State, where his record is 38 and 49. However, his teams have been bowl eligible three of the last four years. This is the first meeting ever between Iowa and Arkansas State, which plays three of the four non-conference games it has this year against teams from major BCS conferences. State is 0-4 all-time against the Big Ten. They've lost twice each to Minnesota and Illinois. Arkansas State plays the spread offense, which always seems to be a bit of a challenge for Iowa, although this year the Hawks' defense seems to have enough speed to counter the spread better than in the past. Running back Reggie Arnold is tied for first nationally in scoring and is third among active NCAA rushing leaders. This will be an interesting key to the game, Arnold's running versus Iowa's run defense, which again hasn't given up a rushing touchdown in 29 quarters. Senior quarterback Corey Leonard ranks 13th among active NCAA career leaders in total offense, and the Red Wolves rank 25th in rushing defense, and they're tied for 25th in tackles for loss. There has been a lot of talk during the week about how well this Iowa team will handle success. In many ways, Iowa's schedule so far has been ideal for building on each previous week, showing improvement, facing some adversity, and gaining confidence. I think this game is also nicely placed, a test to see how the Hawks will come out of the tunnel Saturday and how they will handle the Red Wolves this week before Michigan comes into Kinnick in a game where both teams may be undefeated and with another nationwide television audience. The Hawks need to jump out early on offense and stifle State from the get-go on defense. If they can build a comfortable lead, it could be an ideal situation to get a lot of the reserves some valuable playing time. Heading into the
to the balance of the Big Ten Conference play, the schedule only gets way more difficult from here. This looks like it could be shaping up into a very special season for the Hawks. Iowa is a legitimate contender in the Big Ten Conference in what is likely going to be a wide open race. But the Hawks need to take care of business this Saturday in order to keep all of that in play. They cannot underestimate an overmatched foe like Arkansas State. Size matters not. Look at me. Judge me by my size, do you? I think it also needs to be said about coming into this environment, the wet conditions, the whiteout. People could say, oh, it's ugly, it wasn't a pretty football game, Big Ten, it's slow, where's all the points? I would challenge a lot of teams to be able to come into this environment and be able to do what this Iowa football team did. That was, that was impressive. And the sands of time run out. The Iowa Hawkeyes upset Penn State. Our thanks again to ESPN on ABC for the game highlights this week. Once again, another great job of capturing the excitement of this Iowa football Big Ten opener. And thanks to our regular contributors, Marv Cook and Pat Hardy. And also this week, special thanks to Hayden Fry. We hope you've enjoyed this Hawkeyes Mike podcast, that you'll come back for more, and that you'll participate by phoning and making your own voice heard. Call 866-74-HAWKS. It's all Hawkeyes all the time on HawkeyesMike.com for Iowa fans by Iowa fans. Nice work, everyone. Sharp broadcast. Really good. Everyone on the floor as well. Really a lot of hustle. I liked it. This has been a presentation of Hawkeyes Mike, LLC.